So I just want to apologize. Uh, I usually apologize quite a bit as a priest because we, uh, us new priests, make a lot of mistakes. Um, I didn't introduce to you who my brother priest is here with me today. So today we have Father Kevin Ripley here with us. He's the associate pastor at St. Raphael's Parish here in Oshkosh. And he's like brand new, right? So there's a tradition in the Catholic Church that when a, a newly ordained priest um, starts his first year of priesthood, you're supposed to go up to him and ask for a blessing. And maybe you have a specific thing that you need. Um, but I just want to encourage you um, to be a pest after Mass and go up to Father Kevin and ask for his blessing. And you have a full year to do that. Uh, I did that with my mother and my father. We had steak together with Father Kevin. He cooked for us. It was awesome. Um, that has nothing to do with anything besides I just want to say thank you for being here, Father Kevin. It's an honor to, to have you here with us. And Father Kevin and I went to seminary together uh, like three or four years, was it? Three, yeah. Three, yeah, and it feels like four. So, um, <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing to have you here with us. Um, my whole homily, I stole it all. I know it said in the second reading, thou shall not steal, but I stole this whole thing. Um, so if you ask, if you think I'm a good preacher tonight, I'm not. I'm not a good preacher. This whole homily has been stolen from other people who have really good ideas. And I'm like, well, I like that. I like that. I like that. I'm going to put it all into a homily tonight. Um, so I am a Catholic plagiarist um, at heart. <laughs> so I just want to tell you a story about a, about a gentleman. And um, he, he wanted to remain anonymous. Uh, and he's from Canada. And he, didn't, he told different news stations. And he gave them money. And he said, please tell people um, that this winter I'll be tightrope walking across the uh, Grand Canyon. So they started advertising for this, this man. There's a comment, and people got really excited because they're like, this is, this is who the heck could, could do that? So in the wintertime, when it actually came time for like, him to walk across, like hundreds of thousands of people came to the Grand Canyon to walk, watch this. And as he came out, nobody really recognized him. But he said, I'm going to walk across the Grand Canyon. Who thinks I can do it? And people began to cheer. We believe, we believe, we believe. And then he did. And he walked step by step by step all the way across and then all the way back. And then he said, I'm not done yet. Now I'm going to walk backwards across the Grand Canyon and back. Who thinks I can do it? And they're just kind of like, we believe, we believe, we believe. They're getting excited. So then he does it. He walks backwards, step by step by step, all the way across the Grand Canyon and all the way back, and the people are going bananas. They're getting excited. And he says, I'm going to keep going. Now I'm going to walk across the Grand Canyon, blindfolded and backwards. And he, sa and he says, who thinks I can do it? And they all say, we believe, we believe, we believe. The excitement is just ecstatic. It's like a really electric atmosphere. And then he does it, step by step by step by step, and then all the way back, and people are going bonkers. They're just like, what are we watching? Like, who is this man? And then he says, I have one last walk across that I want to do. And this time, I'm going to walk backwards across with a blindfold, but this time, I'm going to put somebody on my back. Who thinks I can do it? And everyone said, we believe, we believe, we believe. And he said, great. So who will be my first volunteer? 
That was supposed to be a joke. I tried. Okay. <laughs> but last week, Jesus told us to pick up our cross. And, you know, salvation, um, being saved, being in right relation with God, that's, that's purchased for us on the cross. But then he says, come follow me. And I wonder, like, how many of us actually do that, you know? And, and, and what I've just kind of noticed is, is uh, that a lot of us, as we grow in our relationship with God, it's just been kind of, like, handed on to us, and we kind of don't know what to do with it. And, like, when we get excited about things, we say, we believe, we believe, we believe. But then when Jesus asks us to do something supernatural, uh, to follow him, we just kind of turn back to our old way of life. So here's your homily. If you're wondering what the thesis of my homily is, here it is. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it back to me to see if you're paying attention. And I stole this too from Focus. And it is this. Rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. Can you repeat that back to me? Rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. Good. A plus. I think a lot of us for our, our, our faith life, it's, it's, been, it's been told like, do this, don't do that. Do this and don't do that. And do this, but, but don't do that. And do this and don't do that. And then we wonder why nobody like, seems to have like, a heart for the Lord in general. Because in our, in our second reading today, St. Paul's writing, and you know, he says, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And he's saying, don't do all these things. But that's a lot of times how we present the faith to people. We start with all these rules. Do this, don't do that. But in the beginning, it, it, it's all about relationship, my friends. I just want to just, um, you'd imagine that right now you and I are, if you're above 21, we're either out for like a glass of wine or a beer. If you're below 21, we're like getting a coffee or a tea. And if you like, La, I've got some kids here. Um, if you like Kool-Aid, you and I drink Kool-Aid, okay? <laughs> and we're having a conversation, and I just eventually just tell you, this is how I see the world. And I stole this too. This is, this is just like, it just makes sense to me because I like the priest who told it. But this is how I see the world. You know, I, I'd probably just open up Genesis real briefly for you and go through the creation account. And I think, I think the problem for a lot of us is we make God so small. And he's so big. Like there's millions of galaxies there's thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. So when you read through the, the creation account, you read that it says like this one little line says, and God created the stars. He's like, yep, I did that. But like, what does that mean? Like, just how big is God? I want you to imagine a five mile cube, like five miles by five miles by five miles. And like, that would be like all the stars that we know of. There's probably more, but that we know of that exist. And God's like, created that. No problem for me, you know. And maybe you were out this past week and you saw like the, the moon, right? It was, it was, just, it was just huge. This, the focus missionaries and myself and the leadership team, we were out at Camp Tech. And there was one night where the moon was just so stinking big. It was almost like the sun. It was just like, what the heck is going on? And God is like, yep, created that. The stars were just blinking and shining and, I think sometimes we just forget how, how big God is. And for some reason, God wanted to dwell with you and me. And maybe you know the story, but like, we just got to go back to it. You know, Adam and Eve are in, in, in love with God. And he basically says, you know, just 
just don't eat from that one tree. This is my one rule. Just don't eat from that one tree. And they like just kind of have a hissy fit. I don't know what's going on. So then like Eve starts listening to the serpent speaking. Did God really say don't eat from that tree? And, and Adam should have been right there saying, don't listen to him. But Adam's like a lot of men in our culture today, probably has a six pack of beer, a lazy boy, 60 inch TV, and probably watching the Packers and the devil's just like running right in the house and he's being lazy. And then Eve starts grabbing for the fruit. And as soon as she started grabbing for that fruit, Adam just said, don't do it. We got everything we need. We're with the creator of this amazing, all these amazing universes. We're with them. We got everything we need. But then she ate. And that's what we call original sin. That's kind of what screwed everything up. But at that moment in time, God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are in heaven and they see this happen because they can see the whole, whole picture. And it breaks the Father's heart, the Creator's heart, right? And then he looks at Jesus and he looks at the Spirit and he says, who's going to go save them? But I think a lot of us have become comfortable with thinking like everybody just goes to heaven, but then we like don't know what Jesus saved us from. And I want to use a, an aggressive image to just give you an ounce of fear, of healthy fear, of how bad hell really is. Because when's the last time you heard a good homily on hell, huh? <laughs> Great way to start the semester, I know. <laughs> I want you to imagine somebody being human trafficked every day. Like, how horrifying. Think if you're a parent or like your sister or your brother is like being human trafficked. Bound up, right? Every day. Just human trafficked. That's what the devil does with you and I. When he started whispering in the ear of Eve and there was separation. And Jesus said, I'll go save them from that. So what Jesus does is he actually disguises himself to get past Satan. He places himself below the angels as a human person. So where Eve said no to God, Mary says yes, and then Jesus is born into a mucky stable. A mess. Like, just junk, crap, whatever you want to imagine. He's born into it because he knows sometimes it looks like your life and my life, and he says, I can save you from that. And he's born there in a feeding trough. And he does many healings, does many miracles. Um, but that wasn't all he came here to do. He came here to, to like invade the, the, the reign of Satan, the human trafficker, to set you free so you don't struggle anymore. And then so you can go do the same for others. And it, the, new, the new fruit in the tree that you and I are supposed to grab for is right there to show you that you're worth dying for. You're worth going to war for, for eternity. So when you and I look at the cross, it should be just a, a message like, wow, God became a person and he, and he loves me so much that he would do that for me. He would bridge the gap from the separation, which is like wider than the Grand Canyon. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's big. 
And God would have done it if you were the only person on earth. And that's a love that, that changes things. That's a love that makes men who are in their 20s, you know, say, hey, Jesus, I'll give up marriage and children to be your priest. That kind of love does that. Or it's one that does for, for women who are open to the religious life. They say, wow, how can I help other people know this, this message of love? Or it's the, the love that when a man meets a woman and he says, I love you so much, I want to spend eternity with you. So he says no to every single woman and she says no to every single man in the world and says, I, I want, I want our, our love to look like that, to be sacrificial for the kingdom of God. That kind of love does that. The love of Jesus does that. And the problem is, is that a lot of us are just like, meh, meh. <laughs> you know, we just kind of like, just kind of brush it off like it's nothing. We're like, it's always like, whoa, me, little old me. He loves me that much. And we heard in our gospel reading today that, you know, it said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am amidst them. And like, the Lord's here. <laughs> he's, like, he's like right here with you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you that much. That he would go to war with sin and death. And through his resurrection, you know, he helps people stop, get off, get off the, the edge of the cliff, so to speak, at the Grand Canyon and start going on like divine piggyback rides. You know? So when he says, walk the narrow path, which he says to us in scripture, walk the narrow path, we say, I can't carry this weight anymore, Jesus. He says, I know you can't. So you just like hop on his back and he carries all that weight for you, all your sins. And he paid for all on the cross. And, and, and the thing is like you and I, we, we can't earn God's love. He just loves you. And you can't do enough like spiritual push-ups. You can't do enough rosaries. You can't, you just can't. He paid it all on the cross. So that means salvation for you and I is free but discipleship, to follow him, it costs us everything. And he knows you're going to make a mess. He knows you're going to be tempted to look down, you know, and to think, I don't know, Jesus, you really want me to go there? He knows you're going to make a mess. Like, Jesus is like the divine diaper changer. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't mind cleaning up your mess. It's us that get tired to go to him and say, I made a stinky boo-boo, right? He knows. We go to confession. He cleans us up. And he just says, here we go again. But the problem is, like, a lot of us, you know, as we're, as we're drinking this beer or this, having this wine or as we're drinking this tea or coffee or having a Kool-Aid, the problem is um, a lot of us have never been invited into relationship with Jesus to say, I don't want to be like, you can do it or we believe. I actually want to, like, walk the walk and then talk the talk. And Jesus had, you know, apostles with him. He had people with him always because he knew we couldn't do it alone. There's no lone rangers in Christianity. But then the difference is, is that if you and I invite him in, and it's got to be like every day because we're going to make a mess if we don't, 
Then when, when St. Paul says to the Romans, he says, owe nothing to anyone except love one another. That makes complete sense if you have like jumped off the cliff, so to speak, to walk on the, to get on the Lord's back and let him carry you. It makes sense because he loves you so much. You're like, well, then I just might as well love everyone else because I don't deserve anything but hell and damnation. But he saved me from being human trafficked from my sins, from that darkness, right? The natural response would be like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. How can I repay you? And then he invites you in. And then when he says, when we hear the words like the commandments, we're like, absolutely. Like, why, why would I want to encourage people to cheat on one another, commit adultery? Like, that's stupid. You shall not kill, you know? You shall not steal. I broke that one like four times already, but I'll go to confession later. Um, you shall not covet, you know? You shall not be... You shall not be jealous. Because we, w- we wouldn't want to break the relationship. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to go back to being trafficked by the evil one. We wouldn't ever want to go back to that. But then he says, look at all those people who are still on the edge. Or all those people who aren't even close. That don't even know that I'm here. And he says, no, you've got to walk all the way back. And then come back and get them. But if you, if you know what I'm talking about, this makes complete sense. But I think the problem is a lot of times, you know, if I was growing up, I was in my freshman year of college or where I was at in college, I never heard this story before. Because it was all about me and what I wanted to do. And I couldn't see past my sin a lot of times. But like really what, what made it different is like, you know, sometimes we're thinking, oh, God, if you're that, if you're that big, we think this. God, if you're that big, that scares me. Like your love is so, so huge. It scares me. I, I'm, I'm going to hide from that because I'm not worthy. You don't know me, but he does. You think, I, you don't know me. And he says, well, then I'll hide. I'll hide behind substance of bread and wine, which will be my body and blood. Because as we read in John chapter 6, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. I don't know how your summer's been as we, as we get back to, to, to school. I don't know how it's been, but I can't imagine if I was away from the sacraments, if I was away from community. I, I, I don't know how I would have been faithful. You know? It'd be really hard to keep the commandments. But I know, like, for me, like, when I had this, when I felt called to be a priest, it was, it was the Eucharist. It was confession. Like, it all just kind of clicked. And I, I, didn't, I didn't, like, just jump in right away, but the Lord actually let me go back to the crowds and go back to my old way. And he's kind of like, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And then slowly but surely, he just let me feel the emptiness. And he's like, all right, get on my back. Stop trying to do it yourself. And I, I just couldn't imagine, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why he was calling me. And maybe you don't, you don't know why you're here tonight, but I, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I think you're here on purpose because he just wants you to remind you, I just love you so much. And maybe that's where you're at. I just, I just need to know, Jesus, that you love me, that everything's going to be okay. Or maybe you're thinking, how in the world am I going to help people like jump off the cliff, so to speak, to get on your back, Lord? Like, how do, how do we do that? Because we, we said in the Alleluia verse today, like, God was reconciling the world to himself and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's the message. We want to be reconciled, my friends. Be in right relationship. Like Jesus, again, like 
He doesn't like, want to be like far from you. He wants to be like with you. But you have free will. You can do whatever you want. You can leave here and you can blow it all. Or you can ask him to come in. Just pray like, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Kind of goes like this. It's pretty simple. I'm sorry, Jesus. I love you. And thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Because if it's just rules and no relationship, it's just going to be rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. But if we actually realize the relationship and the rules like lead me to deeper intimacy, deeper purpose, deeper hope, then I got to spread that message with other people. I got to spread that message. Last thing. I stole this one too. I want you to imagine that since January, I've been sitting in my back pocket, I've been sitting on the cure for COVID. And as I'm like having this beer with you, or as I'm having this glass of wine with you, or having a coffee or a tea or a Kool-Aid or a water or whatever, I ask you like, on a scale of one to 10, how angry are you at me right now? What would it be like 87 billion, quadrillion, zillion? Like, I mean, like how angry would you be? You'd be righteous, you'd have righteous anger. You could be totally angry at me. But here's the fact. <laughs> Jesus is a solution to everything. He's the cure. He's it. And I think a lot of times he's like, okay, are you going to be a cheerleader or are you going to be a disciple? Do you want to come to know why these commandments are so stinking beautiful? Let me come in and show you. Let me take you from a really dark place to a place of light, peace, hope, and joy. So I'm going to say a prayer, and you can echo it in your heart, but it's very simple. It's just the words, Jesus, I'm sorry. I love you, and thank you. If we kind of do those, those things every day, you know, we realize why we do what we do. And then there's peace. And then we realize, I wish I would have jumped on your back a lot sooner and trusted you. So you don't have to pray this prayer out loud, but I'm just going to ask you to pray it in the silence of your heart and echo it with your heart. And just ask, ask him, invite him in. Invite him in. Father, I thank you for creating such a beautiful world, such a, the universe, the stars, the heavens, the galaxies. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to go to war with sin and death to save me. I'm, I'm sorry for my sins, Jesus. I'm sorry for all those times I, I choose anything but you. And because you love me, I, I say I love you too, Jesus. I don't always understand, but I love you too. And I thank you for offering me new life today, for offering me salvation. Just please help me 
choose you every day. And not to be a cheerleader, but to be a disciple. And knowing that if I place everything on you, Jesus, everything will be okay and I'll be free. Amen.